is episode 78 of Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews and fun conversations with very interesting people in front of my microphone today. A lot of people know her, Holly Roberts in the house. Hi, welcome. Thank Thank you. Thank you for doing this. You um, actually don't live in Medford anymore. I don't. I just moved to Denver. I know. Yeah. I saw that on social media. We're going to talk about that a little bit while you moved to Denver. Okay. A little bit. Um, you are the executive assistant at Rogue Disposal. I am. Uh, specifically, the assistant to Stephen Gamby. Correct. Yes. And he's like the head honcho there. He's right? the big guy there. Yeah. Do you know, is this his... Is this his company? Did he create it, or did he take it over? This is a family company. It's been the family for 80 years. So his 80 grandfather years. started the company, yes. So it's been the fa- really? family for 80 years. Has yep. it always been at that site in, is that like White City area? No, we've moved. Um, the transfer station's been out there. Or, let's see, I've been with the company for 13 years, so more than that. So 15 years maybe the transfer station's been out there. The landfill also is fairly new. We used to be at South Stage Landfill outside mm-hmm. of Jacksonville. Right. And then our corporate office is now back downtown. We were originally um, yes. So we're one West Main. We were originally at one three five West Main years ago, mm-hmm. and we've just moved offices back downtown. So Rogue Disposal has been in the Rogue Valley for eighty years. For eighty years. His grandfather. I need to have him on the podcast. I think. Yes. Amazing. So yeah, eighty years. So his grandpa just decided, hey, we need a place to throw our garbage. You know, I'm going to not get the story right, but it was his grandfather who started this. And one thing that's unique was they started as a franchise with the cities, okay. which is pretty unique to mm-hmm. the garbage industry. Right. And garbage always, is a big deal. Yeah. And especially now with recycling and all of that, like, yeah, it's a it's big, big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think they're working on the noon show, which is why you see, oh. I see us on TV oh, okay. right now. Okay. Is that distracting you? I hope, no, it's not oh, My booty's me. not on TV. <laughs> like, hey guys. As long as they don't hit the live button, I think we're Let's safe. Let's do it. Let's do it. Could you imagine? <laughs> I can't imagine actually. Why not? Why not? I've been caught on TV a few times doing something, <sighs> some things that are incredibly ridiculous. On my phone usually, oh. looking at myself in the mirror mm-hmm. is the worst People are like, oh, she does that all the time. Well, you have to, though. Thank you. You have to. You Thank have you. to. Yeah. I get viewers. We do Facebook Live sometimes during the show. Oh, and, I don't like that. Uh-uh. Oh. I'm constantly doing this with my hair. Oh, yeah. Or- yeah, because it gets caught in my IFB, and I have to make oh, sure it's yeah. laying flat, because if it's not laying flat, someone will call and complain. But now I get complaints, stop touching your hair already and read the news. Oh, right. Excuse me. I'm just like I'm okay, just so trying to, to fix self, it. No, you, don't touch hair. You touch your hair as much as you want. I mean, we can ditch all that whole idea. Um, no, that's crazy. Garbage, garbage, and recycling is a big deal. And I will say this about rogue disposal, and then we'll move on and actually talk about you. Okay. If that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to talk about recycling all day. Dang it. Um, there's nothing like going to the dump. Nothing. As in, it's a an amazing experience. It's huh? a great experience. Mm-hmm. There's something about just pushing off all of this. Oh, it's stuff. cleansing. I see. You like to do it. I yeah. love to do yeah. it. Yeah. It's this idea of like I have just cleaned out four closets in my house, and all of this extra stuff that's just crap. It's crap. Yeah. I just want to throw it away. And we call it the transfer station, not the dump. Not the dump. Sorry. The transfer station. The transfer station. Just correcting you. We're just educating you. But. People call it the dump. They do all the time. Okay. Yep. I'll start correcting people. Kay. Don't mm-hmm. you mean the transfer station? Yeah, like, come on. At Rogue Dispo. Let's class it up a bit, people. Keeping it classy out there. Holly Roberts, where are you from originally? Uh, well, born in Utah. Born Wait, in Utah? Born in Utah. Sandy, Utah. Who knew? Sandy. Sand- Where's Sandy? Outside of Salt Lake City. Okay. Not S- sure which direction. Small? Small, 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 small. Okay. 
moved my family was there for dad my dad's work i think i moved back to portland when i was two okay that but i call medford home moved here when i was eight in the third grade oh for sure so medford's home medford's home was sandy a big mormon population i think so i mean we're not part of the mormon church but i think so yeah 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 I just I think everybody has this idea. If you live in Utah, you're Mormon. I get asked all the time. As Are you Mormon? As I, I'm not. And I'm like I'm not. Like I'm not. I'd be like you're born in Utah. No way. Yeah, you must I'm be Mormon. I am. Yeah, I'm like I'm Mormon, but I was born in Utah. Yeah. Okay. And then Portland. That was Dad's work again. Portland's or? home. My family is from Portland. Gotcha. Dad's work. Utah. Crazy story. When my brothers was born mm-hmm. and had cancer. Oh really? Yes. But they discovered it when they were in Utah. So oh, he wow. had some of the best care available to him. So it was kind of this weird blessing in disguise that we were there. In Portland. And then we, in Utah, in Utah, actually. I see. And then we came back to Portland. Um, fam, I'm sure because of family and support. And my dad did yeah. have a job there. So we came back to Portland. And What, older brother, younger brother? I have older brothers that are twins. Oh, stop it. Yeah, I'm the baby girl. This is, uh, twins are a theme in this podcast. I've interviewed really? a lot of twins or have, they have siblings or they're their dads twins. are twins or whatever. Okay. Dads. Yeah. Their dad is a twin. Yeah. Um, how much older? Uh, four years. So they're 40 and I'm 36. Yeah. Nice. So four years older. So you're the baby of the I'm family. The baby. the baby girl. I'm the baby girl too. Love baby Ooh. girls. Yeah. Yeah. We're the best. Sorry. I, I think so. I mean, I have had, had this conversation too on this podcast before. We're fun and fun loving and well go oh yeah outgoing big deal we're kind of a big deal i think (laughs) um so one of your brothers had cancer what kind of cancer i knew you were gonna ask me and you don't know ah i always ask my mom it is um a pediatric specific cancer okay maybe half of this podcast it'll come back to me it's fine he's been you know obviously in remission for years yeah that's Um, great yeah he's so he's a cancer survivor Um, awesome what was it like growing up with twin brothers older brothers were they nice to you um yeah I'm not su- my family as a whole is super close but I'm not really close I was never super close with them because mm-hmm. I think they had each other you know oh, yeah. like yeah they are tight holly schmolly yeah who's holly you know that's like holly true. what God, that- I, can't, I don't ever remember them like picking on me I mean occasionally like any sibling fight but I don't remember sure. them being like obnoxious was that tough with- that you weren't like closer with them no uh-uh. no you don't, you don't care <laughs> I mean my family as a whole is super close yeah but like we weren't like hanging out in high school together but we were always four years apart so we never like went to high school together or anything right my brother so is five years it, older than yeah me. we weren't I mean we fought younger but uh, we were never yeah. super close in high school and college and stuff like that yeah uh what did dad do my dad um fire protection so like oh. commercial fire protection yeah wow like he put in sprinklers and stuff? He does. Wow. Actually, him and my brother now own a company here in Medford. That's awesome. Yeah. They're saving commercial buildings from fire. Absolutely. If you talk to any fire prevention person, sprinklers are the way They're to go. They're a lifesaver, I know. <laughs> yep. Um, what'd mom do? My mom worked for the VA domiciliary for almost 30 years. Wow. She retired from there after 30 years, yeah. What'd she do at the VA? She did a lot. By the end, she was like the patient coordinator because here it's the hospital is yeah. here in my yeah. city. So um, she worked at the one in Vancouver, but here she did all the patient coordinating. Wow. That's yeah. a, this is a big facility here because it's it the only one Correct. within certain miles of other cities. Yeah, with the hospital and residents. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Wow. Big deal parents, too. I mean, you know, what can I say? Was your dad ever like a firefighter? Nope. Or was this just like a contractor, it's construction? Kind of a weird thing. Um, my uncles were both, they both had fire protection companies. Okay. And my dad got into the trade through them. Awesome. Okay. And they're they're in Medford. Everybody's local? No. Just, my parents and brothers are, yes. Okay. 
rest of the family is still in Portland. Pretty much all in Portland, but all I right. have some family in Denver. Aha. 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 Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? North Medford. Go Black Tornadoes. Go Black Tornadoes. <laughs> what were you like in high school? Were you a cheerleader? No, I wasn't. That's a little shocking, Holly. I know. And I wasn't like student body. I just kind of did my thing. Okay. This is going to go on the podcast, but I'm fully going to own it in a minute right now. This is good stuff, you guys. Not many people know this. Breaking news, everyone. So I was a band nerd. Like, band nerd. And I hated it. I hated it. I played the flute of all things. So I was like, last chair, just toot my little horn down there. Like, I did not. I'm like squeaking. Like, I don't know. So I'm like, how can I get out of like playing as much as possible? Yeah. So I was the head of the band nerds. I was a drum major. No way. So I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So you didn't want to play the flute anymore. But uh, no. You just wanted to dance and like lead everybody. That might have been like yeah. insight into my personality. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to be big, front and center, but so not in the band. Drum major, you're not playing anything. No, you're conducting the band. You're, you're conducting the <laughs> You're conducting the band. I'm not gonna lie, not many people know this about me, but I did that. But I also played volleyball and swam competitively. Wow. But I was head of the drum the band. I mean, that's kind of who I was. I think I don't think that's I don't think that's nerdy at all. There's been a lot of band nerds on this podcast and they're all super cool people I mean, right we now. turn out to be really great really right cool. <laughs> yeah anyone who has an inclination to music and rhythm and beats i'm okay with i know yeah i just wouldn't have gone the flute route. like now <laughs> i play the guitar totally different but i would have never had i mm-hmm. had the opportunity again i would not play the flute but what, you do play the guitar i do when'd you pick that up um goodness in college i got a guitar for christmas and i I've always wanted to lead the I want to be in the worship band Sunday. Like up front at church, like jamming. Nice. So I got one. And I, d- I do play. I took lessons and I started with like the preschooler kids. I mean, they are like mm-hmm. the best audience ever. They don't care. They don't judge. Mm-mm. Like old McDonald and, had a farm. Yeah. Or Jesus loves little children. Perfect. Or, you know, Mary had a little lamb. Like they're easy. Yeah. And that's where you learn. But learned. that's about as far as I've gone. So I got to pick it up again. You do need to pick it up. Yeah. It is. This is going to sound really strange. On my bucket list, I would love to be a part of a big gospel yes. choir. Yes. Oh, the choir thing. I would love it, but I can't sing. So I'd like, I can have my guitar, turn off my mic, let everyone else do their singing, and I'm just going to strum. See, I want. I want to be. I want to be clapping. I want to be singing. I want to just be. Oh. Just, you know, those big. I know. I, that's what I want. That's okay, all I Have you ever been list. to a gospel brunch? No. What is that? Oh, girl. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Okay. Um, big gospel. Usually it's like a, I don't know, a choir group singing. Mm-hmm. You're having brunch, you're having Bloody Marys, and they're singing and they're like interacting with the crowd. And you might get pulled Sounds up for great. your first opportunity to like. I'm be, in. Yeah. Sign me up. I might have got pulled up on stage last time. Nice. You got to do it. They're fun. Okay. They're, those are local? No. No, you got to go to Portland. You got to go to a big city. Mm. I don't know. They have a House of Blues. Wherever there's a House of Blues. So like oh Vegas, my God. This is LA. Genius. This is a big deal. The um, Stubbs Barbecue in Austin, that's probably the best. Oh, for sure. I mean. Yeah. But any House of Blues has them. All right, I'm I'm going. I guess next time I go to Vegas, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Gospel brunch. So high school, your your drum major, not student body president. Were you a good student? Yeah, straight A, with the exception of one B. Oh, 
Wow. Devastating. Devastating. Not going to lie. Devastating. Where did that B come from? Well, it was in junior English. And this is, I didn't even know it was going to happen. Like, she, like, documented for plagiarizing my paper, even though it was cited. I mean, yeah. I was devastated. Devastated. She said you were plagiarizing? Yeah, because there were more than four words in a row from my, yeah, I was like, oh, crap. I mean, heaven forbid. I think I've done that before. Yeah, I think everybody has. But if you cite it, it's not plagiarizing, is it? No. Because you have so, to have sources in a paper. And I get all my sources and everything. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. But I couldn't. It, it was like 90% of my class grade. And so. Do you ever now talk to, you know, high school students and they're like, yeah, I have to write this paper. And while I miss being young, that's one thing I do not miss at all. It's the papers. Writing papers, mm-hmm. homework. I don't miss that crap at all. No, 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 not at all. At all. No. Uh, where'd you go to college? Did you go to college? University of Colorado in Boulder. Oh, all of the connections go are bus. coming together yes. in Boulder. Why Boulder? Why go to Colorado? Well, I knew I wanted to get out of Oregon mm-hmm. just to have the experience. So sure. I flew out to visit my family there my junior year okay. in college. And my mom's like, take her to the campus. Mm. Go visit. Mom was down for this? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. And I think my parents have always known that I would leave. Mm. And are even now are completely supportive and not super surprised by it. Um so they did, and I don't know if you've ever been to Colorado, but you come over this hill into Boulder, and it's like, ah, oh, like it's beautiful. It's phenomenal. It's beautiful. Mm. It's a beautiful day. Campus is lovely. So we toured the campus, toured the city. I was like, this is amazing. And then I had the kind of security blanket of family there, so that helped. Sure. And then they had the major that I was interested in. Which was? Oh, this is going to get good. Um, kinesiology and integrated physiology. Really? <laughs> yes. What did you want to do with that? So originally I started pre-med. Uh-huh. And then I just kind of redirected my thoughts, and I was thinking, like, maybe physical therapy. Okay. And then after spending time in a physical therapy clinic, I was like, not for me. Nope. Not for me. What was um, it that wasn't for you? I was more interested in more, like, sports rehab and that kind of stuff. And if you, if you want to be honest, most people who get sports injuries are pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. They recover pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and they're not spending a lot of time in the PT clinic. Mm-hmm. Um PT clinic, as you can imagine, is a lot of geriatrics. It's recovering from hip and knee surgeries, yeah. which is beautiful. And everyone's got their calling, but it was way too slow, way too monotonous for me. I was like, and not as a physical therapist, there wasn't, from my experience, as much patient interaction. They kind of get the patient rolling, and the mm-hmm. patient does their exercise, and they check in on them. So it just didn't fit me. Mm-hmm. And then I looked into kind of orthopedic sales, mm-hmm. and I was interviewing. I was like, in. And it was right when the economy crashed. And so I would get flown to these final round interviews, but I'd yeah. always be up against them with sales experience. And I was like, well, I don't know how to get sales experience right. if you're not going to take the risk. Yeah. But if they have someone who's got the education and the sales experience. So somehow one thing led to the next, mm-hmm. and I went to work for the Gambies. Right. So you graduated with a I degree. graduated with a four-year degree. Did what I swore I would never do, and I moved back to Medford. Oh, man. Great place, but did you know you had this job when you moved back? No, I did not. Okay. So Were you I, a little lost? Did you graduate? Were you like, what am I going to do with myself? No. Okay. So I was a nanny for years. Okay. Nanny, I guess babysat all through high school. Like, I know every kid in Southern Oregon. Really? All, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every Well, they're not like young adults. I know every kid in this community. And then I nannied through college. And when I came home, I just instantly started nannying. Because I like, I might go back to college. I might go back to school. I don't know. I might go get my master's. So I was totally content. Yeah. And then about two and a half years into it, I was like, okay, this gig is great. But something's got to change. Uh-huh. Something's got to change. Uh-huh. 
And I used to watch the Gamby's kids. Okay. And so they liked you, obviously. Yeah, but they it was actually you. their daughter mm-hmm. that was like, you should go to work for my dad. Really? Yes. Why did she say that? I don't know. And I was like, what am I going to do for him? Like, well, I mean, that's great, but garbage company. I have a medical science degree. Like, talk to me, girl. Talk to me. She was like, well, he just needs, like, assistance with meetings, scheduling, stuff. Uh-huh. She's like, you could plan events for the company. I mean, this, I mean, at the time... Lauren was 12, 10, 11. She was young. But her her mind was going like, oh, my dad needs That's you. That's insightful. Yeah. And he called me the next day. I interviewed and I was like, I got to do this. I got to follow my gut and do this. So what was it about this job that you were like, I have to do this? Um, there was so much. A, an amazing family yeah. that I was just super close with. Mm-hmm. Um amazing company mm-hmm. when I went to the interview like and I started meeting people and talking to people like I mean people retire there after like 30 plus years like that's great you don't hear of that anymore you know that's kind of a, that's a big big yeah thing. so the company as a whole um and then I was like this job sounds kind of intriguing to mm-hmm. me like and I honestly I would say both Steven and myself and probably a lot of the management team were like okay we got it for a couple of years like you know we're gonna take advantage you know take mm-hmm. advantage of the opportunity but it's not gonna last long term mm-hmm. You've been there how long? 13 years. Wow. Yes, 13 years. Wow. And you still have this job, even though you're not technically living in Medford anymore. Correct. I still am in the same role at the company, mm-hmm. and I just do it all remotely. Do you think, did you, when you took this job over the last 13 years, do you see that all the changes that you've made specifically within this company? Because obviously you've had some sort of part in changes. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I how much I've implemented change, but my role has changed and my involvement in everything how so? has changed. I mean, when I first started, I was literally Stephen's assistant. Okay. So anything about his life, his scheduling, mm-hmm. his media, all that. So that's what I did, and it was wonderful. And I still do all of that. But um, I, I guess... What would you say? I do. I'm the kind of the project manager for all our marketing and branding. So I coordinate with our team primarily up north in the Portland area and all of our employees. Mm-hmm. So anything that has our logo on it, right? Anything that has, think about it. Anything that has our logo, There's a lot goes through me. Wow. So I project manage all of that too. So I do that. Um, I'm super involved in the community. You really are. Yes. Um, so part of that just came with a passion of mine, but it's very, Stephen supports it tremendously. Um, so that's, I wouldn't say it's part of my job, but it's very supported by my job to do all that. And Did you guys, while you were there, did you change the logo? Did you change the brand? We did a brand refresh. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say most people might not even notice. Just a little tweet, little update to the logo. And then we did kind of a color schematic. So all of our companies have different mm-hmm. logos. So like Rogue Disposal is red. Mm-hmm. Rogue Shred, our document shredding service is blue. Okay. The transfer station where you... Go to dump your garbage. The dump. the dump is orange. So we kind of did that for consistency, but yet also for each entity to have the kind of their own identity. Interesting. But it was enough that everything had to be refreshed. Does it feel good knowing that? Because you know, I have similar roles where you're kind of in charge of a few people. Yeah. Or it's not like you're the boss, but yeah. you do have people answer to you. Right. Feels good. So sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. I'm learning. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a control freak. And I'm a little You're in good type, company. And I'm a little, okay, let's be honest, I'm a lot type A. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning to adjust and learn that not everyone does things my way, but it's still okay. You're speaking my language. And it's still okay, though. It's Just okay. because they do it 
just because it's your way doesn't mean it's the it's, right way. To what's do the right things. way? But it might not be the only way, right? Like it's the right way. Well, I I find myself, and this is why I get stressed out because I'll ask someone to do something, delegate. Delegate's hard for me. Yes, because I, I just get it. I'll just do it. I'll it's, just take it on yes. because I'm going to do it right. Right. And I'll be efficient about it. Mm-hmm. But if I delegate and then I do this like, just let me do it kind of thing, and then I take on more and I take on you more. You keep taking on, yeah. When, yeah, you have to, we have to learn that just because someone's not doing it your way doesn't mean it's wrong. It, it's wrong. I know, and that's hard. But that's what I have to learn working from afar. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to delegate, and I have to trust and have confidence in yeah. that. Because I can't do it. I mean, I there's some things I just can't do. Yeah, and you have to trust that other people mm-hmm. are, it's going to be fine. And I've kind of turned in, I see it, but I've kind of turned into that micromanager, which I don't like. Yeah. Because I don't like to be micromanaged. Yeah. You know? So it's a learning process. That's a learning. That's a huge learning process. Huge. I tend to micromanage my husband in the kitchen. Oh, because you're a chef. Mm, <laughs> it's bad. You know, my mom has a really good story. Uh, when she was dating my stepdad, I wanted to help in the kitchen. Like I wanted to do okay. something. So I think she basically said, "You can clean up this part." And she got frustrated with me because I wasn't cleaning the way she would clean. So she basically shooed me out of the kitchen. Not mean, but just said, "It's okay. I'll do it." And my stepdad came in later and said, you know, she asked to be involved. And just because she's not doing it your way. And I'm I'm just like her, Mm -hmm. though. I I do the exact same thing. So I've had to learn. You have to release that control. And the kitchen is my domain. Right? And I just, I have a hard time. Even if they're not even cooking, helping me cook dinner. If they're just, if someone else is in my kitchen cooking. Mm -hmm. I have to let it go, Elsa. I just have to take a deep breath and let, let it, it go. go. Oh, it's hard, though. It's hard. It's super hard. And I find that with work, too. I, I definitely micromanage some of my reporters. And I, I don't mean to. I just right. I think I'm helping, but we're not helping. We're not helping. I know. It's more I like know. hindering. Hindering. Yeah. yeah. So what have you done to change that? Are you still like that? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, I just have to take a step back every once in a while and be like, well, part of it, too, is setting that person up for success. So if I'm going to delegate a task, mm-hmm. ensure that that person has everything they could possibly need mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. I'm all about setting people up for success. And Absolutely. so I assume that that person, whoever it is, has all the same knowledge and tools and resource and experience that I have, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily. So I've learned now it's better to give more information up front. Yeah. Then have them fail and me be frustrated and then be frustrated. Like, well, didn't you know this, this, yeah. and this? And they're like, no, I didn't know that. And I'm right. like, okay. So now I'm learning, like, provide as much information up front yeah, as if, possible. If they don't know that, that's on you. Right. Because you didn't tell them that. And being open. I'm, I'm always like, if you have any questions, come ask me. Like, mm-hmm. being available to help without mm-hmm. being like, ah, did you really ask me that? You know? Like, yeah. it's okay. I'd rather have them ask for help and get it right. Right. But there's certain things I'm like, change has to be okay. Like, I do a lot of nonprofit work, and I'm like, uh-huh. I'm pretty set in my ways. Like, no, this is how we do that auction. And just letting go yeah. and seeing what can happen. Right. Because there's a lot of good out there that can there happen. There is. I also find, too, the end, the constructive criticism on the end, mm-hmm. that's always super helpful. Yeah. You know, you, you, you give a, hey, you this looks great. You did this great. Let's go look at this, this, and this that we could do differently next time. Yes. Like, it's not so like. we call it the Oreo. The Oreo. Are you familiar with this? Um, no, but I, it's I like think a sandwich. I know where you're going. So, so yeah. you start with something positive. Because mm-hmm. there's always good to be found. Like, you did this right. Or, you know, even if there's not, find something good. Yeah. 
And then, you know, the filling is a little constructive criticism or right. feedback. Right. And then you always end on a positive. Yeah. Note. So positive sandwiched around I some think I tend, I tend to do that. I didn't know it was called the Oreo. Just the Oreo effect. Yeah. It's good. That it's is good. good. That's really good. So let's talk about community involvement. Yeah. Heavily involved in the community. Heavily involved in the community, yes. We were just chatting last week because you were emceeing the Gingerbread Jubilee. Gingerbread Jubilee this Friday night. You're... First time emceeing. First time ever. I don't do this stuff, but I'm in. I'm excited, right? I mean, what's... You're going to be fabulous. It'll be fun. You're going to be fabulous. Um, you were on the board of the Criterion? I was on the board of the Criterion. Gosh, I didn't remember the years, but I was. I served on the board, and I was also on the committee for the Gingerbread Jubilee. Um, what other boards have you served on? Um, I've been on the Storytelling Guild and still am. That's the one board that I'm sticking with okay. um, from afar. So Storytelling Guild, I've been involved with the Sparrow Club, never on the board, but participant of Dancing with the Stars, yeah, all that. Yeah, Dancing with the yep. Stars. Um, community Works. I was on the board of Community Works and Hearts and Vines. Um, Criterion Theater. Um, I helped with SMART. I've been on their leadership council with SMART. Mm-hmm. That's a I'm lot, sure Holly Roberts. I'm missing a few. That's but a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I love it. I absolutely love it. Why? You know what? I love... I love seeing this community come together and rally for a good cause, mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. Um, I have served on boards that are wonderful, but um, it's just not my passion, which is okay. Mm-hmm. And I figured out my passion is really children and women in need. So, you know, like I love the storytelling guild. Have you ever been to the children's festival? Uh, yes, I've covered yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So you go out there and you see these children's faces light up mm-hmm. to make macaroni necklaces, but. I mean, it's not even, it's just like so trivial, but they love it. And to provide children that opportunity mm-hmm. and to also know that it's been going on for 50 years. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal, cool. that's you know? Cool. Or, you know, you do Dancing with the Stars and you hear these sparrow stories and you're like, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And if these kids can make an impact on that sparrow's life, I can get out and I can dance and I can raise money and for I can sure. do this. For sure. You won, didn't you? One year? Two years? Three years? Well, I have participated twice. Um, I won the mirror ball last year. Uh-huh. And the first time I did it, um, I think we got third place judges' choices. However, both years I was a top fundraiser. Nice. Because that's what it's about, right? Yes. But you do those events and you're like... We live in an amazing community. We really do. I think the same thing because um, I have emceed some events at Oregon Wine Experience. Oh, that's the other one I'm involved in too. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that one too. That's one too. Yes. Um, and I don't know if you remember because you, you were probably I think you had your arms full literally with a labradoodle a puppy. Oh, that was so fun. Just for those who don't know, the labradoodle puppy went up for auction. It was one of the mm-hmm. auction items, and it sold for fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. That was fun. That was a lot. We had a lot of fun. Um, but I don't know if you remember uh, the young man who stood up there with me to tell his story. He was like a teenager, right? He was a teenager yeah, yeah, yeah. from Klamath Falls. Cameron, yes. I believe, is his name. I hope I got that right. But essentially, um, he got help through Children's Miracle Network mm-hmm. and had a whole bunch of treatments, is doing well right now, and is going to school to become a doctor because of what he went through. It's impactful, yes. Yes. I... I was almost in tears, and I got goosebumps when he said that because I didn't realize that at the mm-hmm. time, and he just kind of said it on stage. And I'm like, that that's what this is about, people. Absolutely. Well, you look at little Chloe. Mm, Chloe. I mean, we love Chloe. We love, love Chloe. Chloe. But that's a real, he's fought the biggest battle of her life. Yeah. Yeah. 
And she's choosing to have joy every single day. Every life. single every day. Every single day. Every single second she chooses joy. She just tried out for the nutcracker. So of course she I'm did. waiting I'm waiting to find out what uh what Wait, a local role. performance of the nutcracker? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm sure she did. Yeah. She's quite the dancer. phenomenal. She's quite the dancer. But she's confident. I mean Oh, How she's, many of us would be shut down? More, more than, than confident. confident. No, I love her. She's always like, yeah. You know, hey, girl. She's the best. Chloe is the best. Selfie. No, she's the best. But she has fought the biggest battle of her life. Mm-hmm. At five. She was but five yet, years old. there she is spreading so much joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, she's that's powerful. It's very powerful. Um, and so I just, I agree with you. There's, there's a reason, there's a lot of events that I'm involved in, and I only do the ones that I'm super passionate about. You got to pick and because they're all worthy causes. That's the thing I all tell people. I'm like, every nonprofit in this community is a worthy cause, whether it's the Criterion Theater, it's Sparrow Club, it's Ca- mm-hmm. oh, Casa. I'm a Casa too. See, they're all coming in. They're all you're, coming in. You're my an advocate. I, I am. I haven't had a case in a couple of years. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. It just. I was doing community family court, which is very time intensive. Yeah, and I just didn't have the time to. Casa's tough. Casa, mm, I would I would argue differently. Yeah, I would say it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. So Casa, for those, uh, it's court appointed special advocate, mm-hmm. and you're essentially assigned a case where, for a lot of children, they don't have a voice in court. So mom Correct. may have an attorney. The state, obviously, there's a prosecutor there. Correct. But the child doesn't have. Everyone's anyone. assigned somebody but the kid. Yeah. So as a court appointed special advocate. We are, in essence, a voice for the child. Um, we, the parents basically sign, not they sign rights so that we can speak on their behalf. We can attend school meetings. We can, it all just depends on the severity of the case and what they're going through. Um, I used to attend physician meetings with my parent. I can't make decisions for the child, but I can kind of guide the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are the voice of the child in the court. Um, and there have been cases where things are kind of going one way and the CASA speaks up. Mm-hmm. And things change. But everyone always says so challenging. And I'm telling you right now, it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. I think it's just, it's maybe it's not, your role isn't challenging. It's just a lot of these cases are very challenging. Yeah, but you get in there. And I was blessed. I had two cases where parents really turned their lives around. But what you start learning right away is that these parents love their children. Yeah. They love their children. They just might love something a little bit more, whether that's right. their addiction, drugs, abuse, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They love something a little bit more. Right. But I just learn if you can give them an ounce of hope. Because, unfortunately, I get it. The system is just worn out because mm-hmm. they see this over and over again. Right. And they have been. I mean, yeah. So I understand that. But I was the person of hope. Right. And if I can give the parents – and I was a firm believer if you advocate for the child, you're advocating for the parent too because what's sure. best for those ch- children – it's the parents are thriving. Well, and what's best for the children is for them to be with their parents. 100%. Not grandma, not no. aunt. No, and there's research behind It's hard because mm-hmm. you look at this and you're like, oh, my gosh, like somebody would take you in and love you. But that's stranger care. Like at the end of the day, the science is there. The kids will tell you they want to be with their parents. They so want to be with you can do whatever you can yeah. to make sure. But where I was going with that Sorry. is <laughs> it's Okay. There's so many phenomenal nonprofits, from SMART to that. But you have to find what your passion is. Mm -hmm. You can't serve and give to every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And if you start just serving to serve, you're going to lose your passion and you're You're going to get burned out. out. You're going to get burned out. And people always ask me, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, there's passion there. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not work. Like, I love it. I thrive off of this. And Mm -hmm. I would do anything to continue to get back. But you got to find that niche, you know. You do. Uh, what are you excited about for Gingerbread Jubilee coming up? 
what is it about the gingerbread jubilee that you love so much? Well, what's interesting is I was just thinking about this as I work on my script. It was my first exposure to auctions. Mm. They asked me to be the procurement chair. Um, and at the time, I had went to the gingerbread jubilee once. Um, it's a fun auction. You know, obviously, it's all around the houses. So they bake all these gingerbread houses, yeah. and they're, like, extravagant. So that's kind of the focus. And then they do the tour and stuff. So the auction was pretty um, – I'm not blanking on the word, but it's pretty much the same year after. They kind of have the same 15 to 20 packages, local dinners, all that. And right. they, I think we're ready to kind of spice it up. So yeah. they asked me to procure my chair, and I'm like, oh, I my ideas. I did all these amazing ideas, you know. And some of the ladies on the committee are like, oh, Holly, slow it down, girl. We can't do that. And I'm like, no, we can. Like, we can do this. Yeah. I mean, we sent people to New York for like $7,000, which for the Gingerbread Jubilee was huge. Like, it was big. I would say it's – um. Not want to say lower end, but it's not the Asante. It's not the Oregon wine experience. Okay, we're not auctioning out fifteen thousand right. dollars. So we're looking at a couple thousand dollars. I'm like, yes, no, we can do this. So I'm telling you, like, we're, I'm not kidding you. We sent someone to New York. We put him behind the car, the wheel of a race car. Like I was mm. like, dream big, you guys. We can do this. Yeah. And it just, exp- I mean, we auctioned off crepes, crepes, people, crepes, like, like the food. Yes. I think we did two sets of them, $4,000. Wait, what? Yes. What kind of crepes are we talking about? Made by Timothy Keller. It was, I'm Uh, like, it's about the experience. Gotcha. So it was through this, I realized, oh my gosh, I love auctions. (laughs) I mean, I just love them because they don't only raise funds, but they raise awareness for an organization. They really do. You know, you could bring someone to the Oregon Wine Experience who was moved and is going to make huge contributions to Mm. that organization. Right. So it's a way to increase funds and awareness, and they're fun. It's, it is a lot of education. We used to do the Jerry Lewis uh, MDA telethon at KTBO. Oh, yeah. The live telethon. Yes. And, you know, we had to be involved in that as mm-hmm. the talent. Yeah. We, but we also had to do stories on local families mm-hmm. and why they were getting services through the MDA clinic. Right. And to me, it's about education. And I always remember the little – spiel we would do during the telethon I'm holding up this like little tiny foot brace okay and it's because it's back to school while you're shopping for shoes there's They're parents who are shopping for, for braces, braces because yes they are living with this mm-hmm. yeah. disease yeah right so the education is huge and then it's fun and you're raising money yeah. and you're actually doing something really great yeah so it'll be fun so that was actually honestly one of my first auction experiences Awesome. Um, and it's a great kickoff to the holiday season. I mean, it's, it's, so it's the first of the season um, as we roll into the holiday season. And so. if you've never been to the Gingerbread Jubilee, these aren't like graham crackers oh, stuck no. to a milk carton with frosting. Oh, my frosting. gosh, no. They're insane. 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 So I think they deliver the homes tomorrow, but I want to be there because I want to get some facts. Like, I'm, I'm mesmerized how much goes into these homes right. and hours and hours. hours a lot of these people and kids and they've started these like back in july oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. it's crazy um and i told you before we started the podcast i was actually an auction item for the gingerbread jubilee like years you should ago. have never told me this girl and we're gonna bring you back to some auction we're bringing you back it was kingsley kelly my general manager mm-hmm. at the time it's his fault he said hey would you be willing they wanted to do something tied in with west coast flavors and so then oh. at the end of the day, it was, hey, Trish Gloss will cook for you. and I think it's brilliant. And, you know, four of your friends, so a total of six people, mm-hmm. we had it at Kingsley's house. Okay. I love it. And it was this wine and dine. There were hors d'oeuvres and bubbles and yeah. main courses. And, and the Gambies. Who knew? And the Gambies. Yes. I think the Gambies actually bought it. They probably did. And we they love those events. Like, we did a Timothy Keller um 
Oh, I'm no Timothy Keller. You're close, I bet. So I'm, we did that too. It's they're fun. They they were super fun, and yeah. I think everyone had a good time. I don't think I got anyone sick, which whew. I'm telling you, we're gonna bring this back. Okay. We're gonna revive this package. Well, I just want to say thanks to the Gambies for being super kind and and buying it. But oh, it was shit, fun. Yeah. We had a great time. And I think some of the reporters who worked there at the time, they were my was, servers. Like, servers. <laughs> Bussing the tables, pouring the wine. And I would come in and I'm like, okay, everyone, this is what you're eating yes. right now. You owned it. That's the thing, though, about it these packages. Fun. Like, I'm like, yes, people don't want to fly to Hawaii. I mean, they do, but they're not going to buy it at an auction. Like, they got to look at their calendar, figure it out. But they want an experience yeah. they can't buy. You're right. Well, I can't just have you, Trish, come cook dinner in my kitchen. Like, that's a big deal. It was fun. I don't know how big of a deal it was, but it was it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, so I was an auction yeah. item. That's awesome. One time so in my fun. life. <laughs> I don't remember how much it went for, and I don't want to know. But I might find out if, because, <laughs> the next because if days. it was like you know fifty bucks goes no, to the Gambies. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. So good luck on thank you emceeing. That'll be fun. Yeah, you're gonna look fabulous. You're gonna be fabulous. I can't wait. She actually bugged me for some pointers. I did, because you're kind of the expert at this. Not really, but it was it was fun chatting about MC events, because I love doing them. Okay, so. I'm going to channel your inner energy. And the drink, <laughs> remember the drink? I got the drink. Yes, I told now I'm really spilling a secret. Oh, This is a secret. Yeah, we, yeah, it's fine. No one's listening. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. My cocktail for emceeing mm-hmm. is I always have a pretty big coffee, a cold, cold brew, brew. Cold, cold brew. brew coffee, something really strong. So I get all like amped and I'm, you know, firing on all cylinders. And then about an hour before I go on stage, I have a glass of wine, a wine, small glass just of wine. To chill the nerves. To chill the nerves. Okay. There's probably, if there's doctors out there listening, they're like, oh, God, no, stop. There'll stop. be a few doctors don't, in the house, too. Don't. So they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Uh, well, I want to say thanks for all your community Absolutely. involvement. Thank you. Because you do a ton. I do, but I love it. I love every minute well, of it. Well, that's the best kind of do, a cheerful yeah. giver. Right? Thank you. I love it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this move. You okay. just recently moved to I Denver. did. When? Oh, uh, I think I drove out like October 20th. It's new. Very new. Drove out. I saw it on Facebook yeah. where you were just like, it's official. Yes. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Why Why, why did? Why are you moving to Denver? Why I, have you I moved to Denver? I get this question a lot. Yeah. Um, because if you look at it, my life is pretty phenomenal here. It's great. Um, it's, it's amazing. I'm so blessed. Um, it's a change of scenery. It's a change of pace. It's, um, I'll be completely honest with you, it's more social opportunities, including hopefully more dating opportunities. Right. Um, but social, a lot of it's social and just getting a different scene, different vibe, change of scenery. I think there's a lot of people here that are nodding their heads going, yep, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. What is the dating scene like in Medford? Non-existent? It's pretty much non-existent. I mean, um, you're, you said you're 36. 36, yes. You've been, you know, I always... I always think back to the Sex in the City episode where Charlotte's like, I've been dating since I was 15. It's, it's, just, yeah, I saw a card like something about like, oh, you're still single or something to that effect. But it's like you put yourself out there and there's just not a lot going yeah. on in Medford. Have you put yourself out there? I have. Oh, absolutely. And I'll be the first to admit I've done the online thing, the swiping right, the swiping yeah. left, the yeah. profiles. Um, I don't like to, especially in a small town. Um, where everyone knows everybody, but you have to, you have to, you know, people are always like, oh, I have someone to set you up with. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to go on this date. I'm like, I'm in. I am always willing to meet people. Um, it just hasn't worked out. No, and I love my friends. I have the most amazing friends, but all they think is, okay, this guy's single and you're single. Let's hook you up. Let's set you guys up. Yeah. And you get out, they're like, oh my God, we have nothing in common. Like, what are you thinking? You know? <laughs> Do you even know me? <laughs> I, I, I have left a few dates almost on the verge of tears. Like, oh my God, like this is like, I mean, wonderful, great person, but that's really who you 
think is a good match. And they you, mean well. They mean well. Well, sure, of course. They you left well. you left in tears because you were like I mean, not really that's dramatic, but like this is who you envision me. Mm. You know? Like nothing in common. Do you ever have a really bad date? Oh yeah, I've had bad dates. What's what's one that you're just like, okay. oh man. This is med this is the Medford date. This is well, okay, I can honestly say I've been on a date with somebody who introduced me to I think his girlfriend like I don't think they were broken up that was awkward as all get out I think on the date yes on the date so that was like really bizarre I don't know what happened there like nice to meet you here's the woman that I've been dating for the last year I can't make this stuff up very odd yes oh so that happened but another one is um and then this is so Medford. So this guy's messaging me on Facebook, mm-hmm. with numbers, whatever. Where do you want to go? And I'm like, I give him all these great ideas, like something fun, like elements or porters, you know. Mm-hmm. We end up at Red Robin. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, that's, we're done. We're done. Like that right there, we're out. I yeah. went. Right. But I was like, okay, wow. So this whole, how long has this been going on where you're like, I, I just, I need a, I need a fresh it's been a long time. Okay. Um, but I realize now that it's okay that it's been a long time. Because had I have done this earlier, it wouldn't have worked out the same. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't have. Um, I'll be completely honest with you. A couple of years ago, I about, mm, gosh, it's been almost two and a half years ago, I think. I had the talk with the Gambies about wanting to kind of pursue moving at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of thinking Portland. And I was very vulnerable with them. I was like, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I love my job. I mean, my family's here. My friends are here. I'm like, people kind of looking like you're crazy, Holly. Like, you are letting go of everything. But I'm like, I'm not losing or letting go of anything. My family's still here. So that's when I first kind of had the tug at my heart. But even, it took a couple years up to that. Like, I don't, A, I didn't want to let anyone down. Mm. And I'm also like, Holly, like, you're moving for hopes of better. But your life's really amazing here. So it took time. It took time. Well, see, I don't see it that way. I mean, you and I, we talked about this when I when I met you when we talked about yeah, the MC yeah, thing, week, yeah. we, we talked about it a little bit, but I, I get it. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily you're moving for something that's better. You're moving for something that's different. It's different. And it's a move for me, which is not something I always do. Um, it's, I'm not, it's for me, it's kind of a selfish thing right now, but I have the support mm-hmm. of everyone and everything in place to make it be successful. I would have never done it at this point if I didn't know that it was 100% possible and that we could make this work. Do you tend to put yourself last? Yes. Hmm. Yes. So that's probably why this was super hard for you. It was huge. I mean, I didn't realize how much it was going to hit me until, like, it all happened. Yeah. Was it emotional? Yes. Mm -hmm. Way more emotional than I anticipated. At first I was kind of grumpy, and I was like, why? Like, I was just in a bad mood, irritable. And then I thought, just let it go. Like, don't try to fight these feelings. Mm -hmm. It was very emotional. Did you find, were you emotional in Denver going, like, buyer's remorse? Like, oh, gosh, what did I do? Mm-mm. Or was it emotional here? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was emotional leaving. Mm. Um, but it's like once I did it, no, I can honestly say I got to Denver and I was like, this is right. Like, everything feels right. I'm ready to go back, which is, it's hard because I want to enjoy Medford. Um, and I do, but right now I'm kind of like, I just want to go back. I want to go back. I want to get settled. I want to get my life started there. Yeah. Um, which is a good feeling. That's how I should feel. So no, no yeah. remorse in terms of moving at all. It's just, it was hard to kind of say those goodbyes. Although they're not really goodbyes. They are. I mean, I'm not here every day anymore. Um, so it yeah. it hit me like a train wreck. I was like, oh I my bet. gosh. So I just had to go. I just had to go. Like, I didn't even say goodbye to some people. I was like, I just had to go. 
this is too emotional. Like, I'm ugly crying. I'd be, like, packing boxes, and I'd just start crying. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's big. But this time around, it is big. I mean, I don't – I have friends and family in Denver, but I'll be living downtown you, doing my thing. You don't know anyone. I don't know anybody. That's, that's kind of – I'm a little jealous of that. It's Actually, exciting, right? It's super exciting. Super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of get you're do like you're like a restarting. Restarting? It's like control alt delete. Oh, I like that. But I still have everything still here. Yeah. You still Which have your job. Amazing. I still have my job and that's the thing like I didn't want to lose any of that. I'm like, well, that's crazy, Holly. You can't just like move and keep everything the same, but I'm like, "Oh no, but you can." Mm-hmm. And it took 13 years in my position to figure out that I can tell you, even two years ago, I don't think it had been successful just because I've learned even more. Mm-hmm. So I can very successfully timing. Afar. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but you are here for just a, a couple more weeks um, yeah. and then you're going back. And I think the idea of you being excited to go back says a lot. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think a lot of people. Uh, we don't soul search enough, right, to figure out what we really truly want. Right, and I'm going to be honest. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Like, there's moments I just sit down and go, what did you just do? Mm-hmm. But when you listen to that tug at your heart, you're like, this is right. There's a uh, – I don't know if you listen to Joe Rogan. Uh, sometimes, yeah. My husband is a huge fan, and he had someone on. Her name's Valentine Thomas. She's, okay. I think, French-Canadian. She was an attorney for okay. a long time. She gave up everything, absolutely everything, to become a spear fishing person. Okay, and she spear fishes. Okay, okay. Deathly afraid of the ocean, and right, but it's something that she does now, and she's very, she's very famous for it. And she catches her food every single day. Oh, that's all. Like she doesn't like. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, she's not fishing. Right. You know, hundreds of pounds of tuna. She's she's catching you know, a fish a day to feed her. her. Yeah. And it's something that she was super afraid of. And she, I follow her on Instagram Mm -hmm. and she wrote, there's a picture and she, the caption said, the hardest part is figuring out what you want to do. Right. And so that's really sticking with me. I think Mm -hmm. if the hardest part is figuring out where am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to be doing? And once you figure that out, it's kind of like, all right, let's go. Let's get, let's get there. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on where you're going. I mean, it takes a lot to just pack up. And it takes a lot to, and I didn't have to. I'm so flat. But to, like, quit things. And Oh, yeah. I don't like to quit things. I don't like to resign from things. Her I don't, situation yeah. is extreme. Yeah. But she, she discovered what she was doing wasn't fulfilling Fulfilling her, her. yeah. And so she, she had to quit all of that you in order to, at some to restart. Point. Yeah. You have to. But I just love that idea of like, hey, the hardest part is figuring mm-hmm. out what you want to be doing. Right. And then just get Because I'd say there. most of us don't know. Right. Yeah, most of us don't know. I mean, I've been doing this for 17 years. I love it. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. You know, I think so. Anyways, deep stuff. Fun stuff though, right? Right? Yeah, kind of crazy. Good kinda conversation. Crazy. Um, we're going to wrap up a little bit. Uh, but once again, thank you for your community service. Absolutely. Thank That's you. huge. Yeah, I think if, if everybody could take a little piece of that and just help out in their community here and there, find what you're passionate it about, would make, yes. make a huge difference. Huge difference. Huge difference. And congrats on the move. Thank you. It's I exciting. It's this, really exciting. This area is going to miss you, but you're still involved. I'm still involved. Heavily involved. Yep. And go to the Gingerbread Jubilee. Yeah.
yeah, come see us. Come tour the houses. I don't know the dates, but it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, final three. Okay. Best advice you've ever been given. Okay, this is a tough one, but it changes too. It's all about the season of life you're in, right? So I have two. One is my favorite Rachel Hollis quote, mm. and it's other people's opinions of you are none of your business. Nice. And I get wrapped up in, if I do this, what are people going to think, especially with this mm-hmm. movie, with anything. And another one my friend keeps telling me, I think it actually came from Oprah, I'm not sure, but she always tells me this. It's kind of in the dating realm. Mm. But when people reveal themselves to you, when people reveal them tr- their true selves to you, believe them. And it's like, whoa, you take a minute, you like observe it. Like, okay, like, I'll be honest, a lot of us in the dating scene, but like, you're going, things are going well, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. a flip switches. Well, don't try to justify this. They just showed you who they are. Fantastic. And believe it. Don't yeah. try to like make it into something it's not. Just believe it. It is, and what it is. That's good, bad, ugly. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. If you see someone and they say something that's really nasty, they just showed their true they self. They just showed their true Ooh, self. Ooh, that's good. And it's, business. it's everywhere in life. Friendships, business, everywhere. But for me, it's been very applicable in the dating world. Um, Rachel yeah. Hollis has a quote. I'm going to paraphrase it. She says, don't be half of yourself because people can't take all of you. Oh, yeah. She's always about, don't, don't change because people can't take you. Right. They can't handle your awesomeness, That's girl. one of my, what's one of my favorite quotes. It yeah. goes back to that, you know, you could be the sweetest, ripest peach on the planet. Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes peaches. Not everyone's going to like, exactly. Exactly. Good stuff. And the better you are, the more people start judging. Uh, true. I mean, they do, and criticizing, and yeah, absolutely. The happier, the more successful. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Pe- people are, they tend to be pretty yeah. judgy. Um, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, yeah, <laughs> what would you miss the most? What would bring you back here? Honestly, I, I've already missed it. And I've only been gone for it's the community, mm-hmm. and by that I mean yes, the nonprofits, the involvement of our community in the community to make it a better place. But my friends, my family, my job. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, Medford is a phenomenal community to live in. It's pretty great. It is, and you start seeing that when you get into other communities. Um, they're just lacking that, like. No one's heard of an elaborate being auctioned off for fifteen thousand dollars. It's insane. Do you think? Do you think you'll move back, or do you think you're just living in the moment right now? I am just living in the moment, girl. That's good. It's only yeah. There's no stress in the moment. No stress at all. All right. Yeah. Final meal, final drink. Oh, this is easy. Chips and guac with margarita on the rocks. Nice. That's so so simple, but yes, so amazing. Right. Yeah. But it's got to be best chips, best guac, best, guac best margarita with salt on the rim. Yeah. Preferably in Mexico, but I can't do that. It's With okay. The sun on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah. And a man, a man by your side. A man by my <laughs> side. That's right, girl. <laughs> I love it. You've been so fun. Thank you for having me. This is great. Your energy is contagious. Oh, thank you. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Google Play and Stitcher. Video portion you uh, can be found at ktvl.com. Just click on features and then off script. One more time, Holly Roberts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.